1: Hello, slackers, and welcome to the Slacker Podcast. It is what season are we on now? Season like season 100, Um, I think we're on season five, um, and we've been sort of like dipping into it slightly and slowly um, throughout the year with a little bit of Moby, a little bit of Bicep, a little bit of Royal Blood, and some Kojak. I'm giving you the best guests, and if you are fresh to it, and this is the first time you've ever listened to the Slacker Podcast. it is a one-to-one interview with either an artist or a band, and it really revolves around the early days of the of the group. Um, and we do that best by jumping back into their musical discography and winding the way back to the very, very beginning and looking for that early demo. We speak a little bit about the, an early demo that they've made and see how they've kind of grown out of that and turned into the big beautiful oak tree that we all come to know and love um thank you for uh like listening to the slacker podcast if you need a suggestion for another show my um show that is only available on spotify is called chill da beats it's c-h-i-l-l-t-a-d-a sorry b-e-a-t-s i mean like how long have i been doing this show and i'm still getting it wrong and it is two and a half hours every single sunday and it's all about the best most relaxing chill music that there is out there it's like it, it, we're not talking boring left music here people we're talking like you know really trailblazing new artists some really exciting sounds from like lo-fi dance music from folk music from hip-hop music um from like real traditional songwriting from retro to old it, it really tries to like run the gambit of um music of the 21st century um and you know if you have a little bit of stress in your life a little bit of anxiety um then i suggest you get on it and and have a little listen to it um and uh, if you like you can support the the patreon as well on chill the beats you get loads of new episodes um weekly patreon.com forward slash chill the beats and if you are a slacker you can support Slacker on patreon.com forward slash slacker podcast. It is time, my friends, now to introduce you to. It's Graham Coxon. I know. like I was going to give him the big sell before even saying who it was, but it's Graham Coxon, the guy with the most legendary British guitar sound of the 90s. He um, really took a real US sound and brought it to the. The big Union Jack easel that was Blur in in the in the early nineties. He's an absolute legend um, of a man. He's like done some great stuff outside of Blur as well, which we talk about quite a lot. And I had a great time talking to him and just nerding out. So here it is, our Slacker podcast with Graham Coxon in three, two, one. A stack of podcasts and um we've got our guest graham Coxon, who like that like, it, it looks like a massive uh, sort of like laboratory that you're in like a music studio like what what, what is it well it's not massive look <laughs> well, yeah that's the fair. Other side. one
0: two three four and in back
1: three three yeah, four. It's, not, it's, it's just a
0: little uh, spare room um, where I am at the moment, but there's a lot piled up. Yeah, um, yeah, this is where I've been working at the moment, and it's okay. more easy to manage, and just has got the required things to be able to make music and nothing more really. Well, um, it's got some storage up there, which is <laughs> full of crap. Um, um, but basically, yeah, there's a couple of guitars. What else do you um, need? You've got a little bass over your shoulder. I can uh, see. I can see as well. There's a six-string bass there. There's a bass <coughs> up there. There's uh, some uh, keyboardy bits. A tiny pink guitar. Um, Graham, and, greens, of course. No a six-string
1: bass. A six-string bass is punishable by death. In in Shit. yeah, well, it is for me. Like I've been a bass player since I was about twelve, thirteen. And I, I've yeah. always, I've always thought, if you have five strings or six strings, I'm just like, what, what, like, unless you're like playing in like funkadelic or something like that. Yeah, four, four strings is
0: enough. Well, no, because this is a 1968 Fender Bass Six, so you play it like a guitar. Oh, uh, okay, okay,
1: right, I get you, I get you. I thought it was the bass over your other shoulder.
0: <laughs> oh no, that's just a normal jazz bass.
1: Uh, oh, that's. So that looks and amazing.
0: It here uh, who it used to belong to.
1: Is that Sly from Sly and the Family Stone? Yeah. Shut up. So you oh eat your God. words. <laughs> I'm going to eat them. I am going to eat them um, with the most
0: <laughs> tasty, tasty dressings and dessert. Um, no, it's, um, I bought that in the mid-90s from um, Black Market Music in Los Angeles. And uh, Larry Graham had just dropped off a whole bunch of rubbish that they didn't want anymore. And that was... <laughs> A nineteen sixty eight bass, bass, bass six, which is which I snapped up and I use all the time. It's, it's fantastic, yeah.
1: Wow what What's your most prized like guitar? Maybe you've got a couple, like but like uh, which which one is the one that you sort of reach for first out of all of them?
0: Well, I I wouldn't know. Uh, well, um, I've got prized guitars like my old jazz master, my old Telecasters. Uh, I don't know whether I prized them that much. I've got an old Les Paul Gold top, but, um, you know, it's kind of like what's there in your toolbox in it. Mm. So whatever can do the most things. And, and, and at the moment there's, there's that thing down there, which is, a which was made for me by Adrian from Manson guitars. Yeah. Who was introduced to me by Matt Bellamy. And, um, he, he we we've got together and made that and it's got sort of um um what should it on it and uh, sustainiac <laughs> stuff that you can hold a note forever and yeah and kind of other helpful gizmos um so i'm 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 very much into convenience and workflow so you know obviously if i want a twangy very fendery sound i'll have to maybe dig something out but um and my acoustic guitars so i'll i'll little Martin triple eighteens or 17s or whatever they
1: are. Yeah. 18. I mean, like if you wanted, you probably could have just a room dedicated to just all of the guitars, but it's probably better just to have a couple of the ones that you really like. Otherwise it turns into a bit of a museum, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. That would be sort of 75 guitars, which would be too many in here. I wouldn't be able to use <laughs> the room. Um, I've hard. got, you know, a Strat and then I have a, um, a Friedman guitar. What's your uh, least favorite guitar? Because obviously there's
1: so many great ones that you're talking about, but is there one that you're just like, oh my God, like, get this away from me?
0: <laughs> well, I struggle with Stratocasters. Although I do play them, I struggle with the with the ergonomics of one of those because I come from a I, I don't like knobs in the way, you know, and and and, and the more I see sort of youtubers and, and the way they play i realized they have their little finger on the volume knob on stratocasters and they're doing this so they can turn down very far fast but i was never into turning my volume knob down or using any kind of knobs they were always just full up full yeah. tone full volume so really most of my guitars could just have all the knobs removed they just yeah, get but- in the world for me
1: have you ever seen anybody do an instructional video on YouTube about your sound? Because obviously, you know, like you, there are, there are people who do um, do these videos and you have such a signature sound. Like have you, have you ever watched somebody try and
0: get, I've seen, you know, Andy, Andy, the YouTube guitar player, he, I, I, I he, um, I, he, he, he's kind of a bit of a fan. Um, and, and when he's demonstrating pedals, he'll sometimes um, you know, try and do do the Chemical World sound, or do some other weird, like Peter Panic or something, some old B side of Blur, where I'm using uh, tremolo and vibrato, and you know, all at the same time, and and and, and things like that, and people. They make it. They make it more difficult than it is. <laughs> um, it, it is difficult playing somebody else's stuff. I mean, I play how I play, and for me, it's kind of easy. But when I go and play, try to play somebody else's things, obviously, it's kind of like their fingers, and we we, we all habitually have our have the way our fingers like to go, and 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 at our own sort of touch. I suppose we develop a touch after a while, which is very much a part of how we sound, um, which is which is a lot like, you know, when you hear people say, oh, you could pick up a flipping broomstick and, and make it sound brilliant. Um, it's because they have, they've developed this touch over years and years of playing, um, so they can make cheap instruments sound like expensive instruments, that's what they say. Um, but um, is there
1: like a sound in particular that, that you've wanted to like replicate or try to replicate and just can't get near?
0: uh i don't well not really
1: yeah like was there? Like-
0: uh, i don't well, know like some of the 80s stuff that's getting crazy i mean you 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 can chuck a load of chorus and vibrato and flanges and phases and stuff like that and things and i'm and i'm i've never been into chorus an awful lot i've used flanges a little bit but you know things like maybe cocteau twins you know something like that if i listen to that i'm trying to work out what's happening with the guitars and actually they're they're quite they're quite sort of thin and nasty sounding guitars uh, at times you know but as part of the whole they make a lot of sense and they and they they occupy a certain territory within the the old sonic sonic geography um and so so but a lot of that is sort of uh, sort of chorusing and and things like that and a lot of 80s sort of sounds um, sometimes I have to try and replicate my own stuff um, which is which gets more difficult when you have lost pieces of equipment that were sort of integral to that sound and mm. um, so I have to trawl reverb or ebay sometimes and try and get those old pedals back like that, an old Alesis midi verb and mm. um, things like that for for sounds that I that I that I used on B sides in say 1993. You know, there's certain sounds I used to use. I used in Oily Water and Bone Bag and Peach, which are sort of almost like really me trying to be uh, Robert Fripp in, in in a lot of ways. i mm. um, trying to ha- which in a lot of ways that's why this Manson guitar is good because you can flick that switch. And you can hold a note rather like an ebo and it will go on forever but you can all there's also another switch which will kind of bring out other harmonics so you can make it lose control a little bit and go into notes that are sort of harmonically related to the one you're playing and all this so it's kind of a it's good fun i like, I like the idea that uh, you know you, you you're playing that's why i use sort of two or three distortion units on it at the same time because you're never quite sure what the sound is going to do um and 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 I like the the the, the way that the, the guitar might flick up into feedback on a certain note and make me then respond. Um, so I've, I've never been super, um, um, you know, scaly. Yeah. Theoretically together, and that's probably why notes that may not be there, if I'd have studied lots of scales, are there because people who do study scales perhaps maybe within a zone far too often and you know and and i like i like the freedom rather like painting and you get the odd drip you know you get the odd bum note but but sometimes you get notes that are sort of more interesting and sort of a bit more uh, yeah they
1: they, they they kind of bend the song into like a something that's slightly out of shape and but but also a little bit more lovable and a little bit more warm and and i guess that's what what you get with um demos um as well because we have a demo yeah. of, of um yoga time um that we're yeah. gonna gonna blast in now um right, right well i'll tell you what we'll head it in and we'll talk about it off the back this is um graham Coxon yoga Town. I was yoga time um on the slacker podcast so like what what's the timestamp on that like when did when did you write that and
0: what do you and sp- that was by super state not graham Coxon.
1: oh by super state sorry apologies much apologies i only got sent it there literally minutes ago so i'm, I'm not fresh around it um so t- can you tell me a little bit about the the
0: yoga time track um yeah, it's a it's a chord sequence, and uh, it's almost like you can think of it as episode one if you're watching a Netflix series. It's sort of presenting a sort of uh, a situation uh, that's kind of quite trivial, I guess. But then there's there's it's kind of spot the problem, spot the issues, <laughs> and uh, mm. and then that, that it sort of reveals itself as it, as it goes along that town maybe doesn't sound quite as uh, idealist, uh, uh, as ideal, ideal. quite as a, an ideal place to live as, as, as the name might suggest. Um, I mean, I wrote, I, I started writing these songs for Superstate um, about, actually the first one I wrote was on the day David Bowie died. So that's kind of getting on now. Yeah. So, over the last four or so years. I, I I mean it's been finished for over a couple of years, so um, it's been it's been sitting fermenting. For mm.
1: a bit. And like the, the you you mentioned like the sort of like the the, the Netflix association like and the the I wanted to to talk to you about that at that at some point during the, the the podcast about the end of the fucking world and 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 composing and 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 putting stuff like that together like you know I, like that, what sort of was that something that was always in the plan for you or like, is that something that you just gravitated towards quite naturally?
0: I didn't, um, it was never the plan and um, I got pulled towards it. I was a, was approached by a music supervisor called Matt Biffer. First of all, I did the outro song for a, um, a film called Riot Club. That was a few years ago, which was based around the Billunding Club in Oxford in the universities there and I I did a sort of a song for the outro the thing is I'd never really done anything like this and so when I was invited to to do a song I had no real setup at home um so I thought well I'll get an interface and I'll get logic and I'll sort of you know give it a go so um um so 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 I was in at the deep end really there and so I got a demo together and, and luckily I could go into a into a, a real studio and, and record some of it vocals and things like that so it turned
2: out all right but hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role
0: it made me get an interface, get Logic, and start recording at home and start demoing at home instead of an old hard disk recorder that I used to have and a, and a sort of a, <coughs> a drum machine that I used to hit the pads and and um, so so I could actually make demos that that were reason start making demos that were reasonably decent. I'm you know learning as I went, you know just bought a microphone and then I bought a preamp and. Now I sort of have some 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 audio interfaces, and I have a preamp. I put it in the pre, and and I just learned as I went along, and I uh, had to and and when the end of the fucking world came along, it was um, I had to work fairly fast. I'd never really done this before, and my studio s- sort of expanded slightly. Um, my workflow developed from from no workflow at, at all to so i just learned it all on on on, on the fly really so luckily the, the doing the soundtrack work was actually a good way of me developing a workflow practicing writing instrumental stuff and then songs that were relevant to to whatever scene or whatever episode or whatever um temporary track that they had there um, so it, it was it was excellent. So, so Matt got me on that road and obviously there was a second series of end of the fucking world as well. And so that process carried on. And then another one called I'm not okay with this, um, which I, 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 I sort of had to then invent a band a band was invented in that show and I had to make the album for that band. <laughs> yeah, <definitely. laughs> I, I haven't, I haven't seen this yet, but that must've been really fun. Like that must've been like a real
1: exercise in going, look, I can create a band, not have to tour it, not have to like go through any press, not have to go through any of the bullshit yeah. that you really don't want to do. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was fantastic because they were, they, they were an amalgamation of a lot of my favorite sort of indie bands from the eighties, you know, they were a bit of My Bloody Valentine. they were a bit of Jesus and Mary Jane. They were a bit of Salou Lagosh. They were a bit of, you know, all of that, all of that, you know, that kind of thing. A bit of the Ramones, um, all into one group. And I ended up writing eleven songs. You know, only about three of them were in the were in the TV show. But I thought it'd be great to actually write an album for that band. Mm. They were called Bloodwitch. And there's a topic on YouTube with Bloodwitch and all of the songs there. And so they all they're all meant to sound like those big <laughs> sort of 80s sorts of. Yeah. And um, I- but that was excellent fun because that group in my head developed from from beginning kind of like quite cutesy developing through to getting sort of bigger and more choral and a little more folk horror so that, that they they actually developed as musicians and um in, the, in and with their sonics and their sonic noodlings as well
1: have they developed have they developed in your head like i mean have they broke up have they had the the drug addictions have they been to japan have they um be, like been all around the world have they fallen well, they, like, you know <laughs> i think
0: mean, they definitely went to japan and i think they probably there was probably a relationship with the singers that is, is, is now no more, but yeah, <laughs> they, they may be able to do another album if they if they can get along. But um, because they were they were they were doing some really good stuff before they broke up.
1: Yeah, I think dude, like do you know what? There must have been like a great, great like therapy in that as well. Like you'd be able to be able to just like just let it go and just like just like hammer out a load of tracks and just go. This is. I, I would I would find that quite free and knowing that like there's everything's kind of inconsequential for what comes out of it other than the joy of music and making it.
0: Yeah, it is great. And and, and in a way, like with the end of the fucking world stuff, it was uh, a lot of the temporary songs would have would could have come from any era. You know, they there could have been things from um, you know, Scott Walker to the Beach Boys to then early nineties, Beck to then Devo. You know, so it was it was really good fun to try and put an era to the song I was making. So make something sound like nineteen sixty eight, make something sound like the early nineties, make something sound like it was from nineteen seventy-nine, make something sound, you know. Um and but also use my voice differently to try and not be me. Uh, and and I realized I actually I could say an awful lot more when I wasn't having to be me. Mm-hmm a lot more risky with 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 lyrics yeah sort of playing a a part like an actor
1: do you you think there's a similarity there like with with what with what you're saying there and with what damon does with with, um gorillas because like he's not he can he can kind of do what he wants between behind these cartoon characters and you can kind of do what you want behind this like a imaginary band and it, it kind of gives you a little bit more artistic license to not have to open yourself up in a raw way, but be able to kind of say what you really want to say.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I, I guess there's a similarity, but I shouldn't have to do that. I should be able to, uh, not, not play a part and be able to say what I, I, I want to say. I, I, I guess, um, I mean and I know and I and I always sort of have have done, but
1: mm.
0: I think Graham Coxon has always dwelt on you know, whining about stuff and 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 and, and he's been quite open about you know depressive episodes,
2: mm.
0: you know, and, and things like that, which I think, you know, I still get a lot of feedback from on things like Twitter that my songs have uh Help people through difficult patches, and 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 um, you know I listened to something, a lot of things when I was growing up that were pretty open about that sort of thing too, and it lets you know that 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 you're that you're not alone, you know, yeah. that other people um feel this way, and it's not and it's temporary mostly, and it's and it's not weird, and you're not weird, and you're not bad, just so feeling or thinking this stuff, um. So but 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 in a way it's kind of good to um it's interesting like with the Blood Witch stuff because that band, I know I gave them certain um certain um, obsessions, you know. Um um you know and, and 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 they turned into like I mentioned like a sort of a folk horror thing. They uh, some of their songs ended up being quite um Occultish, you know. Obviously, they had they started to have an interest in hanging out in the woods and
1: burning churches.
0: No, <laughs> no, not, no,
1: not quite as not quite as far as Norwegian doom.
0: I don't really understand burning churches down.
1: No, I don't. I, <laughs> More I, like I don't.
0: small campfires and, and 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 you know, small ceremonies.
1: Yeah, um like uh, is there an aspiration to move into like cinema and, 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 and film scores f- like from this, like I I was speaking to Tom York not too long ago, about h- him doing Suspiria and it was like the first proper score that he had done. Yeah. um, And how much he enjoyed that. Like, I mean, like, would you like to get your hands around a, a horror movie or if you could, what sort of style of movie would you like to do?
0: Yeah. Um, uh... Horror movies are a good, good one to do, aren't they? Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, um, I'm, 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 I'm not adverse to it. I do like working in purely instrumental, in a purely instrumental way. I, I, I kind of enjoy it. Mm. In, a, in a way, putting songs onto things that have have lyrics, you have to be. You have to be careful how narrative you can get you have to be sort of vague enough to be getting a feeling across but leave enough space for the listener to uh for it to, to for them to um put their own thoughts and feelings within the song uh, not be too specific um so so doing purely instrumental stuff you don't have to think about that at all you can purely think of in terms in sonic terms of how to how to uh, amplify the of the emotional drive of the scene or whatever's going on so um yeah that's that's I do like the idea of it totally yeah
1: I, I wanted to ask you like about your your the first instrument that you owned um like was it a guitar was it like a was it a, a classical instrument because I know your dad your dad played in the in in the British army like what, what's what was the first instrument um a fife I think.
0: There was one of those knocking around. There was also a little drum kit I was knocking about with. The first instrument I was, um, I was, um, I was taught properly was the saxophone when I was 11. Yeah. And I still use use that on, on stuff I write. And um, so that was it, really. A very little simple system sort of piccolo, really. And... Um, or a drum kit, um, and then there was a guitar line about that was my sister's, I think. And I decided to sort of on a bored day on the school holidays, I just picked it up. Mm-hmm. Can you remember? Seen something?
1: Can you remember your first first riff, like the first one that you sort of like wanted to to finger on it?
0: It was probably. Either aunties and uncles or Liza Radley, which were both jam B sides. That just were um, A, D, and E, mm. really. Um, so that they they were very simple, and I liked that. It was one of my favourite little songs when I was you know, Liza Radley. It's a B side of Start. Um, yeah, it's
1: the early jam stuff was was incredible, but when you when you pick up the guitar for the first time and you learn a couple of chords, it it's great cuz you're you're kind of off to the off to the races, but when you start learning how to play things individually on different frets, like a, a solo or an actual an actual riff, it becomes like a whole different instrument, doesn't it?
0: I guess. Yeah. I mean, blues is a kind of a good thing to get going on. Because the blue scale isn't too difficult, you can stick to the to the dots on the neck, and um, so you can you can actually sort of play a couple of cream numbers quite early on if you if you want to, and um, get into. I mean, when I was growing up, when this 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 was the mid eighties, so um, still learning from people like the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix and and um, cream and things like that was still okay. You know, um, that's where a lot of guitar players would, 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 would be learning their stuff from. But now I mean, it's different. I mean, gosh, there's been a lot more bands since then and a lot more changes in the aesthetic music and pop music and rock music and what it all means. So um, I don't know what they would be doing now
1: you never got into that whole sort of like hair metal style of playing like iron maiden pinch harmonics judas priest that whole sort of like british like heavy metal scene because i feel like i definitely had a period of it for for about a year or so when i was a teenager just playing run to the hills and stuff like that just because it's ridiculously fun to play
0: it is good fun yeah i mean i liked rainbow Mm. uh I mean, but that was sort of chart music, wasn't it? You know, it was sort of in the late 70s, you know, the number of the beast, which is strange. I was listening to that the other day. It's it's, it's excellent fun. <laughs> uh, That's
1: the, if you go into Iron Maiden with the idea of going, this is meant to be enjoyed as like performance, as like, a, you know, not to be sat down and critically pulled apart. Like they've got a big fucking 20 foot, monster called Eddie walking around stage while they're playing <laughs> solos
0: Do you oh, know yeah. and the number of the beast is a great video because they have a pair of dancers come on the stage and then suddenly the, the woman has this sort of werewolf head on it's like what <laughs> it's it's a, and uh, it's very cheap and nasty um but great you know and his voice is nuts it's, yeah. got, it's got some really cool bits. Bruce Robinson, he's a hell of a singer. So there's that and Rainbow, you know, and, and that that's kind of, I suppose, classic 70s rock. But also you'd have Chic and you'd have a really, you know, like I remember Start being in the charts at the same time as like Ashes to Ashes by David Bowie. And then you get into David Bowie and then you rediscover there's Robert Fripp in there. And you go, oh, yeah, he's in King Crimson and how oh, he's done stuff with Van Graaf Generator, all the weird stuff. Uh, robert robert and um, trip isn't too far away and then you might get into you know um as i got older i got into the more prog stuff like van, through van der graaf Generator into you know robert wire and matching mole and um um gong and uh you know all this other stuff where the guitar playing and everything was a, a little more free and, you know and, and but also things like velvet underground patti smith which was all my and my girlfriend's record collection and uh the, yeah sid barrett early sid barrett pink floyd and and and, and this kind of thing Um there was there, there was a lot there was a lot of good stuff um and i was in improvisation bands on saxophone and things like that in the, mm. in, in the middle eighties, playing around in colchester I was in about three two or three bands um because that was what you did. It was it was fun, and and you set up gigs at the art center, and the place was full of all of the different types of um, of tribes that there were there. There was a there was a, there was a lot. There was the New army people. There was there was the sort of goths. There was the art school people, and um, just the you know general students, the punks, and the hardcore people, and the metalers, and all in one place because in colchester you had to go to where the weirdos went because you couldn't go to squatty pubs you get beaten up <laughs> you know, especially looking like we did you know um you know I, I would be i'd just be in an old jumper overalls tweed jacket stinking of turps and oil paint you know i couldn't go in a blooming I mean, army pub there's no way you, you, you know you, you get beaten up so um we we the, the weirdos had to stick to their own places so we went to places and they'd be you know, funny bands playing on all the time. And that's how I met Dave Rountree, who, who, in Blur, you know, he was in a band called, um, what were they called? Idle Vice? Idle Vice. (laughs) And they were a good band in college, a slightly squatty kind of band-looking band. But good, and I played sort of saxophone with them and a band called The Curious Band, which were an improvisational sort of um, pretty hippie stuff. But um, good musicians and we were just playing it because it was a,
1: it was a laugh. But I like those gigs because like we had a similar sort of like up, upbringing in, in Oma where I came from, like where like my band would be like a straight indie band and we would be playing on the same bill as the metal band and the same one as like a girl playing a ukulele and stuff. And, yeah. you know, you're really covering all uh all ideas of energy and the metal band hated us because we thought we were quite good looking and we thought that they were just stinky old what, what do we call them soap dodgers so like soap they were dodge, yeah yeah soap dodger um and then yeah and, and there'd be wars everybody would be fine and they'd be sharing amps and everybody'd be smiling and then you'd go back the, and the beginning of internet forums and then the real fucking blood and thunder would start like on on the internet but when you'd see them in the street yeah. it'd be like going, hi how's it going yeah good to you.
0: Yeah, well there wasn't that. There, there wasn't there really wasn't that, there, you know, and there would be trouble. There would be trouble between them. You know, you know, there'd be all the usual stuff because there was some, you know, some of the new model army people were like the hardest lads in the town, you know, and then there'd be another, and that and then there'd be there'd be standoffs, there'd be fights, and then you know, especially with that, you know, so um, but it was inter- it was kind of an interesting um time, the mid to late eighties. Did,
1: um, did the the sort of first iteration of Blur Seymour ever play gigs like that or did you kind of like graduate past that? You know what I mean? Like you, you kind of have, a, you don't have to start at that level because you've already played in bands that have been at that level. So you're maybe supporting bands and you're kind of a little bit further ahead
0: when, when you... No, we did do gigs like that. Actually, one of the first gigs Damon ever did was just him and this guitar player was at the Art Centre as well, you know there was a backing track and then a guy I think called Tom who was playing the guitar and to a drum machine really. And, um, but, but, but when Seymour started, yeah, we were called Seymour. We were doing, you know, the cricketers in uh, the oval, you know, the powerhouse in, um, the angel, um, you know, the George Roby, which would do all day as, you know and this is how we got to know other people in bands like the the keaton's and, and and other bands like that that we'd always be bumping into in the old days at like george roby or lady owen arms you know and, and all these places and a lot of them are are no longer with us but all of these small pub gigs backroom gigs camden falcon all of those things i mean i don't think any of them are uh, 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 exist anymore but there was a lot of those gigs
1: what what was the spark that like you guys either got noticed or realized you had written a song worthy of getting noticed, if you know what I mean? Or you just have that like boom.
0: I just think we wrote some pretty good songs. We had a we had a song called Repetition that was kind of obviously kind of good. We had She's So High pretty early on. Uh, so there was there were there was quite a few promising numbers in our set which was what 10 12 songs a t- yeah. at the time and there was a, so, the, so a good half of them were, were decent tunes. It's more it was, so, it was more british like influence back then wasn't it
1: like like you know she's so high and stuff like that it was quite baggy sounding
0: baggy baggy yeah, wasn't it, even around at that point yeah but it had that it has that She's So High does.
1: Yeah. Or am I smoking crack right now?
0: Yeah, I think you might be. No, <laughs> yeah, th- and She's So High that It's slow.
1: I'm thinking of a different song.
0: You're thinking of There's No Other Way.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking of There's No Other Way. That's which, is,
0: which is Later, which was our first sort of top ten. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that took advantage of a sort of a, 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 of a loop, a sort of a hip-hoppy kind of loop, which I suppose could have been called baggy we stepped on on baggy to go to the next station really and then we got off um <laughs> she yeah. said I, was more, I mean i was into my bloody valentine and and she's a marriage Ch- and the indie stuff mm. so i was trying to make everything sound like my bloody valentine um <laughs> which was kind of difficult <laughs> at, at times but because you have to do what the song requires you know in the end but she's so high and things like that and it was also based around my bloody valentine and the escalator song by Lula Gosh, kind of inspired the guitar playing on "She's So High," but I mean, this is like ancient stuff, you know. Nobody yeah, now you'd be like, escalate your song to Lula Gosh? What? She's so high. <laughs> what? what are you on about? You know, it's. Um, well, I mean, it's like, it's the, 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 the stuff you know, you you, you you played a blues scale in that music. You were you were strung up.
1: But that's it. I mean, I mean, like, there's, there's there's like new generations of fans like finding your music all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I know kids, of, like that, that are really young, finding Blur and and your guitar playing, and it's as fresh to them as some new band starting out today because it's like hitting their ears for the first time. They, yeah. There's there's certain bands that will always be like that, and Blur is one of them, and like you know, Nirvana would be like a like another, I know, and and uh, Oasis and the Prodigy, and you know, there's certain yeah. acts when you hear for the first time as a 14 year old and you watch actually youtube reaction videos of kids in america who like might be 14 listening to to stuff like this and it's just it's undeniably fresh and and immediate you know
0: yeah i mean that that's that's what surprised me the most really is that we have aged you know we're in our 50s uh but wherever we've been on tour and we've been on the road and we've gone to Hong Kong or we've gone to South America and we've gone to Mexico the age of the first few rows hasn't changed you know yes. The yes. excited teenagers or people in their early 20s and with the older people at the back holding drinks you know um which is which is which is is bizarre because because people although the sort of tribalism of music has kind of disappeared and and there's no real such thing as selling out anymore as much as there used to be you know because musicians have got to earn money somehow um and 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 new musicians and, and and new bands and things like that seem to be kind of business savvy it's not the same thing at all um so that yeah the, the whole internet is it can be explored and 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 it, it's all sitting there in in like a big freezer as fresh <laughs> as the day it was it was made, and people just go, "Yeah, that's a bit of that." Yeah, yeah it's
1: weird. But the, like, I mean, the fact that people do keep do keep finding it and discovering it for the first time does that make you continue wanting to be able to go and tour it and and play it and 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 show it what it's like live?
0: Um. Yeah, I guess so. Mm. Every now and then, it's it's nice to go and play in front of a big smiley audience with your with your amp turned up loud, you know, it's a pretty good job. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to have good reason to do it. You can't just do it because you want a bit of adoration, you know, yeah, you usually have to make something new and then take that around the place. So, um, but um, yeah, it's great. I remember I went on a pilgrimage to see you guys play live because you were my
1: favorite band when i was a kid when i was like about maybe i don't know when i got whenever great escape came out which is like maybe 98 so i would have been about 10 9 um and i remember getting that record and taking the day off school and um writing all the lyrics down of it and pretending i was sick and singing them all back and just thinking yeah yeah like it was a real like my i remember my auntie caught me and said i'm not going to tell your mom you're sick and I was just like, thank you. And I just sat there just write, writing all the lyrics down and trying to memorize them. But I, I went to see you play the re- reunion show in, in um, or the comeback show in London when I was 18 or 19. And yeah. we decided, like, I had been I was quite into the Libertines at the time. So we went to yeah. Fil- Filthy McNasty's just before it closed down. And we drank, drank all day in Filthy McNasty's, almost got knocked out by some guy who looked like Lars Ulrich. And then went to the show, and Vampire Weekend and Bat for Lashes were supporting, and it was fucking yeah. great. Not really yeah. a question. It was just, just, just a great day. It was a good,
2: good bill.
1: A very good bill, man. Like we, yeah. and when you can pick, when you can pick bands like that, is it quite fun? Where you can just go, all right, let's get X, Y, and Z because you can't kind of have a yeah, little
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of chose anybody, you know. I mean, on some of our London ones, we, um. Deerhoof Hoof played, you know. Yeah. Can we get deer hoof? And I said, Oh, they'll never do it. And they, then they did, you know, and <laughs> yeah. and it's like great. And I remember, you yeah, know, the Crystal Castles played, and 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 you know, they came along to do that. And so it is interesting because that we we're all into kind of like different things. And what is what is nice is that my my default setting is like, oh no, they wouldn't want to do it. But then they do, you know, and they and um, they fly yeah. over and do the show, and they and we have a chat, and and they and it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah.
1: Do you do you do much producing for other people um, at at the moment? I remember you did that um, Pete Doherty record. What was it called? Yeah. Wastelands. Wasteland. Waste. Hold on.
0: Grace. Grace Stroke Wastelands.
1: Yes, that's it. I mean, listen,
0: yeah. I, I, well, that was the Stephen Street production, but but I was kind of there as a sort of a cohort for Pete, really, I suppose, to play along with Pete on yeah. some of the acoustic numbers and to sort of wear similar shoes, you know, <laughs> and, and just be around. Um, you know, that was that was that was great. Actually, Pete was Pete was a joy during those I mean, he had tons of stuff around his bum neck he had about 10 chains with various lumps hanging off them which would be cracking onto the guitar all the time so a lot of the recordings as you can hear the jangling and the banging of yeah. the chains on, on acoustic guitars which is kind of nice actually but it yeah. <laughs> sent <essentially laughs> the street slightly mad <laughs>
1: Um, but like do you do you enjoy sort of like working w- with other people on their music rather than just, just on, on your own stuff?
0: Do I? I don't know. If they're all right, if they're, you know. I haven't done it an awful lot and it can be exhausting. Um, but I don't mind if they're good personalities and really, you know, if they if they're tricky and challenging sort of personalities, then that would be difficult. I mean, I don't know whether I'm that good at it.
1: Well, I mean, being being a producer is there's a high percentage of it that is psychological, and you kind of have to be a little bit of a therapist and to, to be able to get stuff out of people, isn't it?
0: It is really, um, yeah. You you do have to have a sort of nurturing side. You you, you are actually like the studio dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Stephen was like that for us a lot of the time i think um he'd have to be encouraging and he'd have to be patient and and um, the thing is about stephen he was always immaculate you know he was always very very consistent in his approach in his mood and everything so you knew exactly where you were with him all the time whereas other producers can be a bit more erratic and you and you go in one morning and you know you realize that your, the producer's been you know I had a bottle of Jameson woke up with his face in a pizza and it's like oh man this' <laughs> be a tough one this, this is gonna be a hard day but I mean like at the at the,
1: the peak of your like uh, access back in back in the day I would imagine that you would really need somebody to, to steer that ship because there probably was an element of, a, of of cliche when you were like all of you were indulging yourselves. In all of the the finery of rock and roll at that time,
0: yeah. I mean, I don't think it got that bad. We 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 were. I suppose when we were making the Great Escape, it was the heaviest because we were we were sort of making that whilst we were going to a lot of award ceremonies for Park Life, and 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 uh, uh, the world had opened up to us a lot more after Park Life. So there was a lot more parties and things like that. But generally, you know, you, we were pretty young. I mean, the hangovers got could get pretty bad, but um, we we would never. Um, I'd love going to the studio. I mean, it didn't matter. I mean, I I, I would I, I would never try and um, you know bunk off of going to the studio. I I used to, that's my favourite place. So, no matter how I was feeling, I'd drag myself get myself there.
1: Do you think that then people have like? Mythologized your level of partying, or they have um, overstated it, like for purposes of mythology, really?
0: I don't think we did party that much, do we?
1: we? I mean, when you've got party. people like Alex talking about spending a million pounds on cocaine and champagne and stuff like that, really? yeah, it's kind of hard to like say that he's dead and like.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that's like saying that we all support Chelsea. I mean, just what one person does is, is not the same. I mean, I, I, I yeah, of course. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't go out with, with with Alex every night. You know, he was he was into he was into a sort of um quite a pop starry sort of sort of thing, and he was adventurous, and he would go out finding these these kind of glamorous things, and he would drink champagne and, you know, and all the rest of it. Um, I I unfortunately I guess didn't have the confidence to pull that off. I mean, I found myself in those situations. I'd become a little bit more snarling rather than sort of glamorous. I'd become the the opposite, and I and I and I'd sort of res- resent it. And then I'd have a little bit to drink, and I'd start snarling, and my defences would go up, and, <laughs> and then, So really, in the end, um, um,
1: two sides of a different coin. Like it was just like,
0: I yeah, just like just simple things in life, really yeah uh, so so um yeah i mean there was partying but i mean that there, 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 there were times when you very quickly um knew your limit you know like yeah two months in the states and suddenly you know you're 21 or 22 23 and no one to tell you what to do everything is free and you've got and you know after two or three weeks you're you don't know why you uh You don't know why you're crying all the time. (laughs) I'm going mad. It's like, well, because you've been, you know.
1: You've been drinking for
0: like three weeks. You've been drinking and, you know, it's like, is that what it is? Is that what it does? Yeah. (laughs) You know, you get to the point where oh, this is what happens when you're like burning yourself. I I think
1: I had that as well, but like just after uni, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think I went through the exact same thing because like when you finish uni, you're trying to find your way in the world. But I mean, the only difference is I wasn't in a a, a very famous rock and roll band. I was in a, a yeah. I was in a band that w- was still playing quite a lot of shows, but everything was cheap and nasty and available. Yeah. So so like it was I always, were, <laughs>
0: yeah. I always liken it to the to game where you put they put you in a room and it's. There's, there's, there's loads of free drink in it. And the bloke says, drink that, get on stage. So you drink it, you feel really cool. You get on stage, you do a blind. And then the next day you get into a slightly bigger room with a slightly bigger <laughs> uh, pile of free booze, drink that, play a good show. You do that and the rooms get bigger, the piles of free booze get bigger. And then before you know it, you're like, you wake up and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> you feel, oh. and you feel like you're going
1: mad. It's true, though. I mean, like, I remember a friend of mine saying to me, he was just like, being a musician is the only profession where you get paid in a depressive. Like, you yeah. know, you go and play a gig and you get four Red Stripe to play before you go on and then that's it. Yeah. So it is It is weird. Um, do you still have, like, a, a as much of a love for Billy Childish? Because, like, and, and his music and his art and that's that sort of Yeah, I hadn't
0: seen Billy for ages. But um yeah, I do. We haven't had a chat for a while. But I think he he you know, I used to go and see him a lot in the, in, in the mid 90s. Um early to mid 90s at St John's Tavern. Yeah. Uh, um and obviously I put some of his song is some records out on my old label and mm-hmm. and it became yeah, pretty good really good friends you know uncle bill and um i hadn't seen him for a bit but he he, he quieted down like, he concentrated on painting and was, have, you, have, and you ever, have you ever been on the sh- have you
1: ever been on the shop on his website it's incredible he's like literally got, it's it's amazing i i was buying a present for somebody who loves billy childish and i was like looking to buy a um a painting and it's just like the all like I did, I wasn't quite aware of like how much stuff he had done until I went onto his website. And I was like, so he's like a musician. He's an artist. He makes like pendants. And he does like, I was like, this guy's like the most creative fucker I've ever seen.
0: uh, He does does a lot of stuff. And, and his enthusiasm and drive for that is, is pretty inspiring actually. Yeah. He, He, and his painting has always been, it's just something he does, you know, he, he has a real drive in that, in that, in that way. And um, it's great. i lots, so,
1: lots more than I have. When we're coming out of lockdown kind of now, like, I mean, as we record this anyway, it's like the 12th of May. So like it, things are, I, I don't know what, what the fuck normal is anymore, but like, you know, what, what is it that you're looking to do? Are you looking to go, go away or travel or write more or, or record? Like, you know, what's, what would you like to be doing that you weren't able to do? I
0: don't know. I've been quite happy. <laughs>
1: some, some people some people, it suits like, I mean, first couple of months. Yeah, I, I mean, it's back. opening
0: now. I've got a certain amount of anxiety about it opening out and going out there and being in among in amongst people and stuff. But I'm looking forward to, you know, having some nice food in a restaurant, maybe. Seeing, being amongst the human race, not particularly... You know, I've I've always liked being amongst uh, people, not necessarily sociably. You know, when I used to go out on my own and things, I used to just be like being amongst people and feeling part of the human race. I didn't particularly always want to interact, but I wanted to feel part of it. So, so I'm I'm, I'm sort of looking forward to that a little bit, maybe going on, on a couple of jaunts. Um, but um, I'm quite I'm quite happy.
1: that's it man if you're if you're content then then you're content and like i mean i've got most of my stuff that i needed within these walls anyway it's just nice to get out it's just nice not to have to stay in it's nice to have the option isn't it
0: yeah it is and it is good now the summer's coming and, and there's going to be a few people about where i live up in north london here it's going to be a bit more of a jolly vibe i suppose yeah
1: big time man listen thank you so much for for taking the time to to speak to me stopping by the podcast sharing that um demo of yoga time and yeah. uh, and uh just yeah creating this great music and and bringing a lot of joy to people's lives thank you bye bye